Hello, Grandview. Happy Mother's Day to each and every mother that is out there. All of us can trace our existence back to a mother. Now, what do I mean by that? None of you were hatched. So no matter what your situation, would you just take a moment and thank God for your mother? So let's open in a word of prayer. Father, this morning, thank you for our mothers. Thank you for that woman that gave us life. And no matter what our situation, Father, we thank you for her. And we ask that you would empower us to listen and to take in your word this morning. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As I think about our mothers, it makes me think about families. When families are working properly, they are selfless organisms of development. You see, God uses families to develop each person within that family. And it, it happens through selfless service to one another. We learn how to share. We learn how to give and take. We learn how to sacrifice. We learn how to love. And sometimes it's love in spite of my sibling or my parent. As we think about the church, it's similar. We will learn today that the church is an organism that God uses for our mutual spiritual development. So if you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Last week, as we started into chapter 4, we shifted from doctrine to practice. Paul is going to camp now upon this concept of walk worthy. Walk worthy. He is going to remind us repeatedly in these next few chapters that we need to remember who we are in Christ, all that he's done for us. We need to remember that as we talk about Christ, our activity, our conduct should match what we're saying. Our walk should match our talk. And so last week we talked about how we need to walk in unity. And that's because of all the things that God has done for us. We're one in Christ. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the church, and he's to be the Lord of each one of us. Therefore, if we have a common commander, we all should be walking in step in respect and in obedience to what he's asking. We all should, should be walking in step with one another in Christ because he is the Lord. But now he's asking us to move from being unified, and as we talk about that, how often are we fragmented by our nature and our understanding? Paul's saying this is not just theoretical. But in real life in the body of Christ. So the question is, what tools will he use? What enablements do we need to walk worthy in unity? And we're going to move from unity today and how we are all the same in Christ 
to how we now are different from one another. And he calls us from unity to building that unity by using the diverse gifts that he's given us as part of the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. He's going to talk about the distribution of gifts in chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. And in verse 7, it says, All saints are gifted to serve others spiritually. See, God gives gifts of grace, and that's the ability to serve God and to serve others. And each one of us has been given that gracious gift of ministry. It enabling, this grace enables us to use our spiritual giftedness in each other's lives. And each one of us has been given a different responsibility within the body of Christ. But notice in the text it says, he gives to each one of us. It's as if Oprah were still on television and it was that special day once a year when Oprah's favorite things are talked about and all of a sudden she would say, and, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and... Everyone in the studio audience got a vehicle. In the body of Christ, every believer gets a gift. Sometimes more than one, but you can count on at least one for each one of us. And therefore, if you're sitting as part of the body of Christ, you cannot say, he left me out. Because the text says, all saints are gifted to serve others. He says in verses 8 to 10 that all individual gifts have a spectacular origin. This refers to Psalm 68. And in this psalm, a military victor has the right to give gifts to those who identified themselves with this commander that's now victorious. In verse 9, there's a question. The lower regions. This is contested. This is not clearly understood. And I can't uh, admit that I have solved it all, but there's three options here. When he talks about Christ descending into the lower regions, it could mean that he went from heaven through incarnation to be with us. It could mean that Christ went to Hades between death and resurrection. We say in the Apostles' Creed, he descended into hell. The third option is that this talks about his death and burial. And I think of those three options, 
this makes the most sense for this passage. In verse 11, it says, He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And what he's saying is, gifted leaders are given to the church. See, he's still talking about gifts. But in here, the gifts are people. The gifts are leaders within the church. This is not a spiritual talent. This is not a special endowment. These are people that he has gifted the church with. And the first two, apostles and prophets. These are foundational gifts of the original church there after Pentecost. These the apostles carried the gospel message with God's authority. The prophets revealed God's truth until scripture was complete. It is my belief that we to this day now do not have apostles and prophets as mentioned here. But there are two other gifted leaders given to the local church, evangelists, and shepherds and teachers. And by the construction, many believe that shepherds and teachers talk about the same person. An evangelist spreads the good news. And a shepherd and teacher, or a pastor and teacher, guide and flee, uh, excuse me, guide and feed the flock of God. Jesus gave gifts to the church to enable it to function. And it shows that God cares about the church. I'm a little uncomfortable when I say this. But God has given me as a gift to Grandview. And your next pastor will be as well. A gift from God for this local body. I'm also an elder. But understand that pastor is a spiritual gift. An elder is an office within the church. God gives gifted leaders to the church for it to function properly. What is the purpose of those gifts? That's found in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. When it starts there with the word to equip, to often shows purpose or goals. And so there are three purposes that God gives gifts to the local church. One is to equip the saints. That word equip is very interesting. It means preparing, mending, or restoring something. So as these gifts are given to the church, the job of these gifted leaders is to prepare, mend, or restore people to their proper use within the body of Christ. And there are people all around us that are broken, that need restoration, that need greater preparation, and that is the job of these gifts, to accomplish that. The second purpose of gifts, it says in the text, to accomplish ministry. 
This is spiritual service. And the text is saying that each believer should be in the ministry. There are things that need to be done for the kingdom. And that's the role of every person within the church. The third purpose of these gifts and these gifted leaders especially is to build up the body of Christ. The purpose of gifting believers to equip other believers for ministry so as to give them stability doctrinally, to give them stability practically, and to lead them into mutual building up of the body of Christ. The word is edification, to build up the body. The question is, how long will this growth process continue? Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Notice in verse 13, it starts with the word until. Until. This process, which is started in verse 12, must continue until a certain end is realized. There are three goals listed here in this verse 13. The first one, unity. Unity of faith and knowledge. The second one, to mature manhood, mature spiritually. And thirdly, complete development. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If we were to use another word, it would be conformity to the very person and character of Jesus Christ. But notice, I, I jumped over a word there in verse 13, and the word is all. These goals are for all of us. None are left behind. And if there's someone within our body who is, who is lacking unity, who is immature, who is not more like Christ, then they must be brought along. They must be encouraged and and strengthened to follow the growth path. That's why we have developed a discipleship pathway to help you grow. And if you need more information, please send me an email, and we would love to send you an assessment that you can take on your own. Now, how long will this growth process continue? Excuse me, what is the results of this process. It's spoken of both negatively and positively. Negatively, starting at verse 14. So, may, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. See, the ultimate purpose of gifted people is to bring people to maturity in Christ. And the lack of results, because this process is not being applied to this person, which is their, their choice. There are four things that happen according to verse 14. 
The first one, helpless immaturity. So that you may no longer be children. And that word for children is an immature infant. An infant of an age that it can't even speak yet. Which, which speaks of their helplessness. The parents must do everything. And as someone is immature in Christ, they're helpless. Secondly, unstable. It says in the text, tossed to and fro by the waves, easily swayed and confused. Thirdly, without direction. And carried about by every wind of doctrine. The wind blows one way, they move that way. They blow, blows a different way, they move that way. It also speaks of someone who says, well, I don't know what to do. Let me find out what other people think. And I assess them. As opposed to assessing what the scriptures have to say. Without direction. And finally, gullible, susceptible to manipulation. Notice, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. These believers are deceivable. It's amazing when a cult rolls into town. They don't go after people who do not know Christ. They go after people in our churches that are immature. And, and they mix truth with error to say, would you buy this new plate of food? It's, it's not healthy. What are the positive results of this process? found in verses 15 and 16 there in the text. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what are some of these positive results when the gifts are applied to the body of Christ? A, truth joined with love. The text says, maintaining truth in love. It's, it's both my speech and my conduct. It talks about walking worthy. It's my speaking and my doing. John Stott says, truth becomes hard if not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth. The apostle calls us to hold the two together in tension. Truth joined with love. Think about your own actions. Are there times that you are so truthful you are harsh? And there are times that you are so loving that truth walks out the back door. The mature thing to do is to hold them both in tension. The second result, positively, 
is continued growth. It says we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. That word there, grow up, is a command. He is saying, grow up! See, Christ is both the aim and the object of our growth. The third positive result of this process of applying gifted people to the church is number three, unity. Unity. For whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint by which it's equipped. See, Christ is also the source of growth as well. And no member within the local body is superficial. It says even the most humblest believer is necessary for the health of the body. Fourthly, each functioning as God designed. It says when each part is working properly. When each part is working properly, it's a thing of beauty and delight. And as I thought about that phrase, I thought back to my childhood. Something that worked properly and sometimes did not work properly. And so I have set up for you the game Mousetrap. And I played this as a youngster. I played it with our children at home. And I have this, thank you, Twyla, for borrowing this. And when all the pieces are laid out properly, now watch, it goes fast, watch properly. When all the pieces come together, the mouse is caught. But how many times have I played this game and the marble rolled off the stairway or the man didn't end in the wash tub or the shoe did not hit the bucket just right and the whole sequence was a bust. The question for you is what part of the body is not functioning because you're not doing the part that God has asked you to do. And the final point in this passage, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The word is cooperation. It's mutual concern for one another. Listen to this quote from Dr. Swindoll. A human body is healthy when all its parts are operating properly and working in harmony. Similarly, a church body is healthy when all of its members submit to the Lordship of Christ, walk in the Spirit, contribute to the community with their gifts and talents, and live in cooperation with one another. The body grows as individual members grow, and the members grow as they feed on the word and minister one to another. What does this mean for us? We must work together as a functioning body to develop spiritually. 
I cannot grow spiritually mature without you. I need you. And you need me and others. And therefore, we must walk worthy in a mutual spiritual development. Don't isolate yourself. Now, that is hard during COVID-19. But we do have phones and we do have emails and other ways of connecting with other people that are part of the body. Are you using your spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ? I need to tell you something. People have been working behind the scenes while we have been apart to strengthen the body and to also improve our building. They have not hidden their gift. Now, they, people don't see them walk in and out. They don't see all the work. But when you eventually come back into the building, you will see some of the improvements that have been made over these few months. All of us need each other for spiritual development. Secondly, all of us have received gifts of grace and a responsibility to build up the body of Christ, God's family, the church. I remember as our children were young, I would say to them, now, as a family, we all share in the blessings of being a family. You know, we go out for dinner together. We all got allowances together. We took trips together. But then I also said, therefore, since we share in the blessings, we all share in the chores of maintaining this family. So my question is, and only you can answer it, are you doing the part that God has assigned for you to do? Don't just be a spectator. Don't just be a taker. But to say, okay, God, what can I do to build the body of Christ? Because in that process of doing that, God's going to build you up as well, too. The truth is, our church will grow more Christ-like as each of us add our gifts to the church. For some, we're waiting for you. For others, thank you. You have served well and you're serving Christ. May I remind you, we are called to walk worthy in mutual spiritual development. And we need each other in this process. I cannot grow alone and neither can you. There are certain things you can learn, but so much is learned in the crucible of being a part of a church family. So roll up your sleeves, ask the Spirit to empower you, and dive in. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this reminder today. All that you've entrusted to this church and every church with spiritual gifts to do your will. Father, there are some who work heartily unto you, and thank you for their service. But there's a few who don't know their place or who have been hurt in the past. Father, would you encourage them today? May they be a new part of the work going forward from this point.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.